welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 7 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning session of Sunday the 7th of June 2009, entitled, The Fundamentals, and the Bible reading is the book of Jude, chapters 1 to 25. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, if you'd like to take your Bibles and open to the book of Jude for our reading. Of course, we have... uh been away from our series for the last uh, two Sundays as we focused upon uh, missions during uh, uh, that time. We come back now to the book of Jude as we continue in our series on contending for the faith, beginning in Jude and verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints." For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these Filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beast, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves with, without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots." Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their Lord's speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, 
having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Our Father and our God, we do thank you again, Lord. We thank you for the time that we have already been able to share together in worship. Father, we pray that you've truly been glorified. And Father, as we now come to this portion of the service, when we look into your word, we realize that, Lord, we depend so totally and completely upon you. Father, we pray that you would take and anoint, that you would take and speak to hearts here this morning. We need your power, Lord, not because of we deserve it, not because of what we have prepared, Lord, because we stand in such great need of hearing from you. So we pray at this time, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that we would be receptive to that which you have for us. May you be glorified and honored in all that's said. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Contending for the faith. We have gone through the book of Jude in this series in six sermons so far looking at the need to earnestly contend, earnestly contending in a fight to be fought for a faith in its fullness on a foundation that's firm against a foe that's a fraud, exposing the error, exposing apostasy Historically, remembering the past and the apostasy here as we recognize the past and their activities, as we recognize the present with a true appraisal, experiencing confidence and enjoying contentment as we contend for the faith. We need awareness, attentiveness, acceptance, aggressiveness, now, if you would, as we move forward this morning in our series, we must answer, I guess, a, a very important question. We look back in the very first sermon in this series that we were contending for a faith in its fullness. We talked about this faith not being just that saving faith that saves us, but literally all that we believe, our faith is a whole and what it is. What exactly is it that we need to be contending for? It's important to 
contend for this faith in its fullness that the Bible says was once delivered to the saints, literally once for all, once for all time was delivered to the saints. We know, however, that everybody that call themselves Christians for some reason don't agree on everything. We know that we can't agree on the things that we claim to be the truth of our faith. Most would say that they hold to the truth. There aren't many that would stand up and say, no, we don't believe the truth. Most would lay that claim, and most would claim that they are standing upon that truth as it was delivered to us in the Bible. But of course, some of the more extremes on the liberal side of Christianity wouldn't even claim that. <laughs> they don't see that all that's in the Bible pertains to us today. Some would think that it was written for another time, another culture, or even that we can't trust what we call to be the Bible, the Word of God, to be without error for us today. Well, as we've already seen in our study of the book of Jude, even from the very early church, there have been those that were apostates, that had had known the truth, but it turned away from that truth. We find that, of course, those apostates then breed others who will also walk in that darkness. Many of them having never even had the genuine truth. We've been clearly warned that as Christians, as a church, that we need to be on guard against those that would creep in unawares, the Bible says, without us realizing it. We need to contend for the faith. That faith that was once for all delivered. It was precisely the overwhelming presence of these apostates and their influence that they were beginning to have upon the church and Christianity as a whole, which brought about a movement that we'll be looking at to some degree over these next weeks, I don't think because that it was a new people, but a new name that was given to God's people that were willing to stand and contend for the faith. And certainly as of one today that I'm not ashamed to identify myself. I'm going to read to you a quote from Wikipedia Encyclopedia. It's entitled Fundamentalist Christianity. I want you to keep in mind that as I read this, I'm reading it verbatim. And of course, they use some terms which we would not see eye to eye. For example, they speak of everything that's not Catholic as being Protestant when they speak of Protestantism and whatnot. But we know. Folks, we have ample proof. To know that God has always 
had a remnant of true Bible-believing followers that even though they have had different tags and names throughout history, it is where I believe with all of my heart that we today, that our Baptist forefathers came from, why we believe what we believe today, our forefathers that were persecuted by both the Catholics and the Protestants and often had to pay the ultimate price to contend for that faith that was once delivered. I quote, Fundamentalist Christianity, also known as Christian fundamentalism or fundamentalist evangelicalism, is a movement that arose mainly within British and American Protestantism in the late 19th and early 20th centuries among conservative evangelical Christians who in a reaction to liberal theology actively affirmed a fundamental set of Christian beliefs, the inerrancy of the Bible, solo scriptura, the virgin birth of Christ, the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, and the imminent personal return of Jesus Christ. Some who hold these beliefs reject the label of fundamentalism, seeing it as a pejorative, a negative, if you would, term for historic Christian doctrine, while to others it has become a banner of pride. Such Christians prefer to use the term fundamental as opposed to fundamentalist, for example, independent fundamental Baptist. The contemporary fundamentalist movement has its origin in the 18th century with the first great awakening was deeply influencing American religious life. In the same time period, the Methodist movement was beginning to renew parts of British Christianity, although this was at first resisted by the majority of the Anglican established church. Much of this religious fervor was a reaction to enlightenment thinking and the deistic writings of many of the Western philosophical elites. The chief emphasis of the fledgling Methodist movement as well as the awakening were on individual conversion, personal piety and Bible study, public morality, often including temperance and family values and abolitionism, a broadened role for lay people and women in worship, evangelicalism and cooperation in evangelicalism across denominational lines. Key figures included John Wesley, Anglican priest and originator of the Methodist movement, Jonathan Edwards, American Puritan preacher and theologian, George Whitfield, Anglican priest and chaplain to Selina Hastings, Countess of Huntington, founder of many revivalist chapels and promoter of associated causes, Robert Rakes, who established the first Sunday school to prevent children in the slums entering a life of crime, popular hymn writer Charles Wesley, and American Methodist Bishop Francis Asbury. There was no single founder of fundamentalism. Americans Dwight L. Moody from 1837 to 1899, Arthur Tapin Pearson and British preacher and father of dispensationalism John Nelson Darby, among others, propounded ideas and themes 
carried into fundamentalist Christianity. The term fundamentalist in the context of this article derives from a series of originally 12 volumes entitled The Fundamentals, A Testimony to the Truth. Among the publications, 94 essays, 27 of them objected to higher criticism of the Bible, by far the largest number of addressing any one topic. The essays were written by 64 British and American conservative Protestant theologians between 1910 and 1915. Using a $250,000 grant from Lyman Stewart, the head of the Union Oil Company of California, about three million sets of these books were distributed to English-speaking Protestant church workers throughout the world. And that article continues on, and you're welcome to go in and read for yourself, and there's a lot more information there, which I'll leave you to. But I want you to understand that this is not something new for us when it comes to contending for the faith. And it's because of those that have contended for the faith before us that you and I even have opportunity and privilege to have had the truth passed down to us, that faith that was once delivered to all in God's Word without it being contaminated, without it being watered down and weakened down to such a point that it no longer carries with it the power that God has anointed it with. I want you to get an idea of where this term comes from. Because over these next weeks when, when I'm in the pulpit, we'll be continuing with contending for the faith. But you can add after that, if you would, dash the fundamentals. The fundamentals. What are we to contend for? I give you this definition taken from the lexicon Webster Dictionary. The word fundamental means of or pertaining to or being the basis, root, or foundation of something. Essential, elementary, primarily, a primary principle, rule, or law. Something that is essential. And immediately following that in the dictionary is the word fundamentalism. And it says, a belief that the Bible is the accepted literally as an inerrant and infallible spiritual and historical document. That's from a secular dictionary. They're full aware of what the word fundamentalism means. You see, Psalm 11 verse 3 says this, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Everything when we speak about the fundamentals, when we speak about fundamentalism, we're talking about the very foundation of our faith. Those things that are essential. Those things that cannot be disagreed on and still be true Christianity. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49 a familiar story as, our, as the Lord Jesus Christ told it. 
And he asks a question and he says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not, is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You see, the Bible says, Jesus Christ said himself, that that foundation that we built upon is essential as to whether that which is built upon it is going to stand. And he likens that not just to knowing the truth, but doing it. There are many people today that even know a lot of the truths that we will be looking at. But I'm saying to you, when we speak about the fundamentals and when we speak about fundamentalism, Yes, to some it is a negative term. They think negative thoughts. And since it has been applied to Christianity, it has in turn been applied to other religions as well, many times with very negative connotations. But I'm saying to you that the faith that we are to contend for, the one that was once for all delivered to the saints, is God's Word. And God's Word is to be taken literally for what it says, but not just to know it, but to live and do according to those things. Contending for the faith isn't just knowing a bunch of facts. Sometimes that's why that fundamentalism is perceived to be radical because these people actually believe that they're supposed to live by those standards, that they are supposed to live by those things which they proclaim. Well, you see, I say to you this morning, the devil is good. He likes to turn those things that would harm him the most into something that would be negative or perceived with negative connotations. I say to you as your pastor this morning that I am not ashamed to be called a fundamentalist. I believe with all my heart that the Bible is to be accepted literally as God has given it to it, that it is the inerrant, that it's the infallible word of God, that is to be our rule and our guide in all spiritual matters, and that when it speaks upon historical or scientific matters or whatever, that is correct in all matters. It is from that basis that we derive what we refer to as the fundamentals of our faith. Those things that are the basis of our faith, the very foundation of what we believe and live, that which is essential, that is primary to our faith. 
Yes, the rule and the law of our life, both to know it and to live it. If we build our lives or this church on any other foundation, it will not stand when the storms come. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I don't say this haughtily and with the wrong prideful attitude. I'm not ashamed to be a fundamentalist. I'm not ashamed to be called an independent fundamental Baptist. Just taking that name doesn't make somebody right. And it certainly doesn't place anyone on a pedestal above anybody else that maybe goes by a different name. We find that independent fundamental Baptists are not the only Bible-believing fundamentalists. But I believe that those three words make a good starting point for describing who I am and where I stand for the Lord. I am first and foremost, above all else, a Christian, a child of God, born again, on my way to heaven. A true born-again Christian is what and all that you must have in order to have eternal life. That's all you've got to be, born again. Unfortunately, because of the apostasy and heresy that has crept in. Unfortunately, just the term Christian in and of itself doesn't tell people a whole lot about you these days. <laughs> it doesn't tell anybody just because I say I'm a Christian very much about what I believe. Folks, I've got many brothers and sisters in Christ with whom I disagree on matters. I've got fleshly brothers and sisters with whom I disagree on some matters. They are still my brothers and sisters in Christ. I say with absolute sincerity that I believe genuinely that a true independent fundamental Baptist church is synonymous simply with a New Testament church the church that Jesus himself began while he was here on earth. Yes. You know, if you read about those New Testament churches in Scripture, you know what? They had some problems. They had some imperfections, just like we do. I can assure you, though, that if I thought for an instant that there was another church that more closely identified to the New Testament church as described in the Word of God, folks, as much as I love you, that's where I'd be. That's where I would be. I'm not saying that we're perfect. We've got plenty of problems and plenty of imperfections. And I'm not saying that just because you take on a certain name or tag or title that it makes you perfect, that it makes you right, that it makes you above anybody else. I'm saying, I believe with all my heart that a local New Testament church is an independent church. A local church 
not a church that's governed by some hierarchy out there somewhere. I believe that a true New Testament church is a fundamental church. Yes, must much of Christendom will take that as a negative. I believe that those things that would distinguish us as Baptists are all New Testament teachings. We find that there are many that would take the same name as us. I have met those that would maybe describe themselves the same. And yet, we find that from one extreme to the other, there are those that would use the name but not take a stand upon those things that we'll be looking at that we call the fundamentals. And yet, there are those also that would become so legalistic that in taking those stands, they go beyond what the Bible goes. There are those that would lose all of their love and compassion and charity, which is not what the book of Jude is teaching us. We're to have compassion over them. We're to literally pull them out of the fire. But what I'm saying to you, we can stand and live the fundamentals of the faith without on the one hand becoming like the Pharisees and Sadducees that are more concerned with dotting their I's and crossing their T's like they think that they're supposed to than they are living for God. Or those that would for the sake of appeasing men and not being thought of in some negative frame that would compromise their very things for what they should be standing. You see, Christ's authority to carry out his work here upon this earth, it was given to the church that he himself built and is still building today. I don't want to be a part of just anything just because it calls itself a church or calls itself religious. And I don't want in any way to be unloving and unkind. But with all of the charity in the world, I want to stand where Jesus Christ stood. I want to be a part of the church that he's building. I want to know that authority and power that's upon the church that Jesus Christ himself founded upon this earth. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus promised to build his church and that the gates of hell should not prevail against it. We find that Jesus keeps his promises. <laughs> and he has kept that promise. And he has built a church. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. <laughs> you know, God doesn't need 
any religious clubs, any religious societies. He wants a church that is empowered by the power that he gives us. And if we are to be effective today, you see, I'm not just talking about getting lots of people in. You can build a church of thousands and yet not have the power of God upon the place. Today, I want to be a part of the church that Jesus Christ has established, that he's left here to do his work. And I want to be able to do it with the power that was given to him that he passes on to us. He wants to inhabit us. He wants his power to show through us. Thank God that from those apostles that he chose to be the foundation of his church, the ones that he began the building of his church with, right down to the day that you and I are gathered here today, there have been those, thank God, that in spite of all of their human failings and weaknesses that have been willing to contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. For most of those apostles, they were required to contend unto their deaths. For many since, the same thing has been required. And I say again that it's only because of those saints that have gone before us that have been willing to earnestly contend that you and I can be gathered here today as a local, visible, New Testament church ready to contend for that same faith that God delivered once and for all, for all time when he gave it. The same faith that they lived with. The same faith that they died for. The same faith that has been passed down to us generation after generation by the grace of God. Every church has its failings. None are perfect because they're made up of imperfect people like you and I. You'd be hard-pressed. Matter of fact, probably impossible <laughs> to find even two churches that agreed on absolutely everything on every issue. Matter of fact, you're hard-pressed just to find two Christians that agree on every issue and everything, let alone two different bodies of people. I put to you these important statements. There are fundamentals of the faith on which we must be in agreement that without those, we become one with the apostates and the heretics that we've been warned against. Those who have turned from the truth and those that are espousing those untruths to others. What did we say that the word fundamental meant? Pertaining to or being the basis, the root, the foundation of something. I say also, not only are there those fundamentals of the faith, there's also things that are important to us as a local church 
and would be extremely important when choosing a place that you're going to commit yourself as a member of that body, which every Christian ought to do. If you're to be at one, if you're to be able to walk in unity and work together as one body, there are things that you must be in agreement on that go even beyond those fundamentals of the faith. But as a local body, we tend to sum those things up in what we call our statement of faith as a church. And we will. After looking through the fundamentals of the faith, we will have a look at our statement of faith of what it is that we say those beliefs that are important to us at Bethel Free Baptist Church. Now, folks, as we progress in this series on contending for the faith, I want us to look at both of these areas. I want us to look at the fundamentals of the faith. And it's very interesting read when you go back and you read that book of some 97 essays that was entitled The Fundamentals. But I say to you, as you read through that, you find that many of the same things we face today are the same things they were fighting then. We mustn't give up the battle. We mustn't give up the fight. We're not out to make anybody our enemies. We just want to do it God's way. And yes, we've got to realize our imperfections and our ability to get it wrong ourselves. We must forever follow him as we look at the fundamentals of the faith I say to you that on these things there is absolutely no room for movement whatsoever. You either believe these or you are not part of the true Christian faith that's been delivered to us. There are some things, the foundation, that cannot change, that cannot shift, and that building stand. We'll look at some of these other important matters that really spring from these fundamentals that are important to us as a local body. Try to distinguish between them carefully. Try to show the relevance and the importance to us. We're going to answer that question that we ask. Just exactly what is it that we should be willing to contend for? We're going to narrow down the focus a little bit. The truth is, if we ask ourselves today, what of the Christian faith would I personally be willing to lay down my life for? What is so important that I'd be willing to give down my life? May I ask you this, and may I say it as a sobering thought? No meanness meant. <laughs> Forget about laying down your life for a minute. What of our Christian faith is important enough for us that we're willing to take a stand if all of Christendom is against us? You see, the only reason you have that faith today is because there were those when all of Christendom was against them. They were willing to stand and contend. For that faith that was once for all 
delivered to the saints. Folks, it's not something to run from. It's not something to shy away from. Neither is it something to get a bunch of false pride built up within yourself. But it's something that as Christians, we should get excited about. We should get charged up over this thing. This is what God gave us. This is the faith that all of our eternity is based upon. Are we willing? Do we have enough confidence in that faith that we're willing to stand and contend, yes, with love and charity, but never with compromise on the things that God's given to us? Father, we thank you today, Lord, that I believe that we could be a part of this church here today. Lord, and that we could be a part. There have been those that have gone before us that have been willing to contend with the faith that you delivered to us once and for all that's right there in the Word of God. Father, that we may know it, that we may live it, that we may have charity, love, compassion for all those around us, that we would, would see the lost saved, that we would see the, the backsliders restored. But, Father, that we would not be willing to compromise the truth when it comes to the very fundamentals, the very basis, the very foundation of the faith that you've left for us, for the church that you've established, that you've built, we would not compromise, but that we would stand strong, that we would stand firm, that we would be willing to fight the battle that needs to be fought. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.